the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We are holding the infallible Word of God. You said, well, Pastor Mike, I've heard from some preacher friends of mine the Bible's full of errors and mistakes. I'm telling you that the great God who made the universe, the God who inspired the Word through the prophets, carried His Word through the centuries so that our Bible lands in our hand as an intentional document for the last days as the infallible Word of God. That is Pastor Michael Oxentanko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Don't forget the worship service is held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. We would love to see you there. And we will have details on that as we continue on with today's program. You can also watch the broadcast live, streaming at reachinghearts.org slash video every Saturday at 11. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Today on Reaching Your Heart, Pastor Michael Oxentenko brings us the conclusion to a message he entitles, The Last Days and the Final Word. We hope that you enjoy it. Thanks for listening today. Here's Pastor Mike. Solomon, the wise son of David, in the Song of Solomon revealed that God's jealous fire that is God himself, is God's nature of love. He treats them as equivalents. Friends, we worship a passionate God who loves us with a jealous love that is the fire of his passionate love for us. We call that a high-energy state kind of love, not a boring, low-energy state kind of love. God is passionately committed to loving us. God burns with a passionate kind of jealous love that is his jealous love for his people that is stronger than death. God will fight for you to the death. Did you hear me? He will fight for you to the death. He will die for you so you can live. He will love you passionately because God is a jealous, loving kind of God in his covenant connection to us. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, 6. This lover's song put me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is strong as death. And notice the next word. Jealousy is severe as Sheol. That's a poetic parallelism. As strong as death matches severe as Sheol. Love matches jealousy. Love is jealousy here. Love is God's jealous love. It flashes, it says, are flashes of fire. The very flame of the Lord. The New American Standard hit it on the nail. Perfect with the Hebrew. Friend, love is the fire and the glory. That is God's jealous love that will die for you because God loves you more than himself. Some people say, well, does God love me? God loves you more than God loves God. Did you know that? God loves you more than God loves God. According to the book of Hebrews, Jesus is the glory and the radiance and the outflowing of God's love and God's nature because Jesus is God. You can't reveal God if you're not God. You can't reveal something you are not. You're just a secondhand story unless you're God. There's so much wrapped in that Greek phrase, who beam the radiance of the glory. God is so bright that you would never know God were it not for Jesus' light in your life. 
And yet when you look into the eyes of Jesus, you see the God that is too bright to look at. You can look at God when you see Jesus. Away with this rubbish that would teach people that Jesus is a created being. The Bible condemns that view, incompatible with the evidence. Friend, God did not create the light that is God. The light that is God is God. God's light is eternal because God is eternal. And He is the light and God never goes out. His glory will never diminish. Jesus is that light that shines out from God who is God. That's what Paul is saying in Hebrews 1. Jesus' disciple Philip wanted to see God just before his crucifixion. He said, look, I know that God of the Old Testament came down Mount Sinai, the Father. Show us the Father. Let us see his face. Look at Exodus 33, 19 to 23. Moses asked the same. God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name. And then, of course, it gives the name Jehovah, the Lord, Yahweh here. It's the Hebrew name for God. And I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and I will show mercy in whom I will show mercy. So when God reveals his name, God reveals his mercy and his graciousness to us. God's very name means God is kind and merciful. He goes on to say, but he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see my face and live. And the Lord said, behold, there's a place by me where you shall stand upon the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I pass by. Verse 23, then I will take away my hand, and you'll see my back. But my face you shall not see. Now when God revealed his back to Moses, look what happened. Go to Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, to abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So if you want to know what God's name means, Yahweh, you can look in the Ten Commandments. It's a revelation of his name. But you can look here also. But here the principles of God's law, of his sacred name, are spelled out in clear terms. The Lord, the Lord, God the Father, God the Son, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. We should hear a hundred amens about that statement. Praise God for that. But who will by no means clear the guilty? Now, I've listened to Bible teachers all the time who hate that part. Well, it goes together. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, the children's children, the third and fourth generation. Friends, based on this revelation, God's nature, his name, his character, his law, he is merciful. God is a person who is slow to anger, which means God is kind. God is plentiful with consistent love that endures. God is faithful, even when you are not faithful. God is faithful. God's love is not exclusive love. It doesn't pick and choose who to love. It is exclusive love. It reaches thousands. It is for the whosoever of John 3.16 that believes in him. God sent his son to save the world. God's love is for the whole planet, not just the elect, as Calvinism would teach and other religious philosophies. God loves the multitude and the individual. God's love is the forgiving kind of love that wants to restore the soul and bring you back to God. By nature, God forgives your sin. Now, hear what I said. Based on this verse, by nature, God forgives your sin. You wake up in the morning and say, Pastor Mike, I feel awful. I sinned yesterday. I sinned this morning. Who's going to forgive me? Here's the answer. God forgives your sin. Did you hear me? God forgives your sin, your failure, your iniquity. You think of the most awful thing you've ever done. 
God forgives that in Jesus. God wants you saved and forgiven, so he forgives and saves. That means God will not separate you, the repentant sinner, from his big heart of love just because you have sinned. God finds a way, the way, to bridge the gap and atone for all your iniquity. Psalms 103 says he forgives us all our sins and he heals all of our diseases. The Hebrew word for forgive is carry here. When God forgives you, he carries your sins. He takes them away from you and he carries them instead of you carrying them. But don't forget that God is just also. That's what comes at the end. God says right here at the end, because mercy comes first with God, but justice comes also. He says, I will visit. I will visit iniquity upon those who ignore my salvation. I will punish sin if the sinner refuses to come to me. I am just, but don't forget, I'm merciful first, and I am long-suffering. I want you to be saved. What more could we ask of God? What else could you expect from a righteous God of love who is a jealous God of love who would die for you in the flames of your sins? He would die also for the whole universe. Friends, so come to God and live in the fire that is God's love. It is the glory of God, the passionate, jealous fire of God that is the love of God. My favorite Bible writer in the book, The Desire of Ages, inspired Bible writer, has said the glory of him who is love will destroy the sinner. It's not an arbitrary act on the part of God, but he will do it. Because love cannot allow evil to live on forever. But God is long-suffering. Just before the cross, Philip said to Jesus, we want to see God, the Father, like Moses wanted to. We want to see his face. Show us the Father. And Jesus did not say no to Philip. Look at John 14, 9. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you do not know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Now this verse alone makes it impossible for Christ to be a created being. Then verse 10, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? He says we are made of the same stuff, just like Hebrews 1. The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. My life is his life. My acts are his. My thoughts are his. Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. You cannot say what Jesus is saying here unless you are God too. And that's number two. God number two is part of God one who is one. Now, God is one and Jesus is God. Number two, who is one with God, who is one God. Forget the math here. It works. That's what the Bible teaches us because it's true. Jesus is one with the Father, and the Father is in Jesus. And Jesus is in the Father, and so they are one. That's what Hebrews says also in different language. Bank on it and hold on to Jesus, who is one with the God. I mean, how could Christ reveal God if he's not God? When you have Jesus in your life, dear friend... You have God in your life. And the God you have by faith is a likable God. When I read the story of Christ, Christ could get tough with evil. But he was merciful. He would never demoralize a person. He was kind to the sinner who was broken. And he never discouraged a soul that was seeking him. Never. But he stood up to the oppressor. Now, I like Jesus. How many of you like Jesus? How you like, when you read the New Testament, you like Jesus. You like him a lot? Raise your hand high. You like him a whole lot, raise both hands. You really like him, you can say amen. If you really like him, you can rejoice and say hallelujah, amen. 
Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, look, I'm not into theatrics, but I'm into the truth. I like Jesus. Now, guess what? If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. So what about God the Father? You can say all the same things. I hear people talking about the straight testimony. Somebody says, whoa, we need to give the straight testimony. And when they say this, they often don't know what they're talking about. And then they're often mean about giving the testimony. God is not mean with his creatures, friends. The testimony of Jesus is the gospel and the prophets that reveal to us that our God in Jesus is a God of love. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Literally, the Lord Yahweh, or Jehovah, our God, is one Jehovah. And you shall love Jehovah, the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. God is one. We must be one with him. Jesus is God's heir because Jesus is God who comes from God into the universe. Who else deserves to rule the universe but God? Would you want anyone else in the throne of the universe but God? Christ will be the heir of all things. But don't forget that Jesus is also our brother, our friend. He's one of us for all time. He's human. Let's go back to Hebrews 1.3 again and now soak it all in. He reflects the glory of God. He bears the very stamp of his nature. That is his essence, his being. Upholding the universe by the word of his power. When he made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The Greek word used here in the Revised Standard Version translation for the very stamp of his nature is the Greek word character. It means the exact impression in a seal or the exact likeness of something because that likeness has an organic connection. It is part of the old. You can't separate it. It's the perfect picture of the original because, in a sense, it is the original. In information theory, if it's the same information, it's the same thing. Paul makes this clear when he says that Jesus is the exact character or the very stamp of God's nature. The Greek word nature is substance and being. He means here that at the heart of the very essence of who God is, at the very heart of the substance of the being of God, if you dig a hole deep enough, if you bore and you drill down into the essence of God, when you get to the center of God, guess what you find? You find Jesus there. He is the heart of the being of God. That is why Jesus is the center of the throne in Revelation 7, 17. He's in the bosom of the Father in John 1, 18. So what does all this mean in our lives? Now, make the journey with me. It means nothing at all if there is no cross and there is no death for our sins. If the God that is revealed to us is not a God who loves us, it means nothing. But if that God loves us with a passionate, jealous kind of love, then it means a lot because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Love that only goes so far, not far enough, is not good enough to be the kind of love that should be God's love. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. Love has to find a way to save or God's love isn't good enough to be God. 
Hebrews 1.3, here it is. When he had made a purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is the merging of the Day of Atonement verse in Exodus 30.10 with Psalms 110.1. In the Old Testament, Paul glues these two passages together. Now, Psalms 110.1, take your Bibles out and open it. Psalms 110.1 is a verse that every Christian should be aware of. It is the most quoted verse in the New Testament from the Old Testament. The entire Christian faith was based on Psalms 110 verse 1. A psalm of David, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The early Christians hung their faith on Christ as their Savior and High Priest in the heavenly sanctuary. On that verse, Psalms 110 should be studied by Christians. This verse points to Jesus Christ to rule as our great high priest, as the new covenant Melchizedek high priest in verse 4. It is the basis of the book of Hebrews. In fact, in this chapter, the resurrection of Christ is predicted. The host that would be resurrected with them is predicted. And the birth of Christ from death when he was begotten from the tomb is predicted. And then the oath of God, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. This is huge stuff in Psalms 110. The whole Christian faith is affirmed by David's prediction. Paul tells us how Jesus got to be exalted at the right hand of God. He tells you why he was exalted and what his credentials are. You see, friend, in these last days, God has spoken to us in his son Jesus. He has spoken to us, and Jesus is God's final word. Jesus is God's last word, and the cross is the final statement and definitive for all time. It makes the statement that can never be revoked that our jealous God loves us more than God loves God. He made a purification for our sins by dying for us. Friend, in Jesus, God sacrificed himself for your sins and my sins. Some people say, well, this idea that God can punish the sinner is nonsense. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible says that he destroys sin and sinners. But you know what? When God had to choose by destroying you, guess who got destroyed at the cross? God. God stepped in the way. God took the full brunt of his law. God loves you more than his law. And that is the heart of what his law is. It's a paradox we can't grasp. It is the truth that shows the way. He dealt with all the ugly stuff that bars us from heaven. And Paul says, Jesus made purification for our sins, my sins, your sins, the ugly stuff. In Exodus 30.10, that happened once a year, every year in the Old Covenant. He's quoting that verse. Every year there'd be a purification. They'd start over in a limited kind of way. In the New Covenant with unlimited grace at the cross, Christ gets it done once and for all, for all time, into the forever. Hebrews 1.3, when he had made purification for sins. When he had means it's done. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Friend, the one who made us saved us. And he affirmed it when he sat down. The one who created us redeemed us. The one who made us clean in the beginning made us clean again and shed blood at the cross. Love found a way to bridge the gap and speak God's final word of love that is clear and irrevocable. Friend, Jesus is the final word and the cross is the final statement that God is love. His law is love. His nature is love. God gives. God dies. God suffers for his creation. God won the great controversy at the cross. Away with this nonsense that says some final generation wins the great controversy. Jesus won the great controversy at the cross. 
When he said, it is finished. And Hebrews 1 affirms that he sat down at the right hand of God. Our God is a consuming fire kind of love. That is a jealous God who will not let you die without dying first for you in the fire so you can be saved. The cross is hell for him. It's our hell because in the darkness of the cross, if we knew it was going on, we'd know it was our hell too. Christ is in it. God is separating. There is an awful tragedy there. And why? So we can live, he dies. Carol Bryant once wrote, the last word of love is goodbye. The last word of love is goodbye. On the cross, Jesus, who is God, said goodbye to God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. They did this to save us from our sins. You see, hope did not present itself to Christ as coming forth a conqueror. He could not see beyond the portals of the tomb. In the darkness of the cross, the three gospel narratives, the synoptic gospels declare that that was a mental darkness, skatos. He couldn't see, not just physical darkness, psychological darkness. And so he went through the awful thing without a knowledge of the future that he would be saved. They all did this together as God, as one, to save us from our sins. God in Christ forgave us when God in Christ bore our sin in Jesus at the cross. God let go of God. Now think about that. God let go of God so we can never lose God. He let go of God so we would never lose him. His jealous love tore him apart at the cross. The Trinity was wrecked. It was ripped. It was shredded like the veil of the temple. The divinity of God was damaged, wounded. When Christ cried out as God, Eloi, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The last word of love is goodbye. Thus we find that love gives, love dies, love empties heaven's treasury to where God is bankrupted in tears and poor and broken at the cross. On the cross is God's final word. Jesus said, it is finished. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. If I die forever today, let me die for you. If you wake me up in the morning, I'll be looking for you to live for you. If you don't wake me up, I will die in you. And that will be it. Because I know how awful sin is. Let my end bring you glory. Into your hands I commit my spirit. I trust in you. In the book Desire of Ages, it says, By faith Christ was victor. By faith he defeated the strongholds of evil. By faith he opened heaven's doors. Why? Because God was broken. God was sacrificed for you and me. Don't let anyone lead you to believe that God didn't pay a price that was awful for your sins. He did willingly so that we can be saved. John three sixteen and 17 deserves our attention. For God so loved the world. Let's read it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God sent the Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Now that world he's talking about is you and me. Dear heart, when you come to the cross, when you allow God to be God in your life, when you listen to the truth of who he is in Scripture, God in Christ forgives you. God in Christ saves you. 
God in Christ loves you at the cross. Cling to the cross. Wrap your hands around it. Don't let it go. Because when you cling to the cross, you cling to God, broken though he be at the cross. Come to God in Jesus Christ. And I end my message this morning with a simple appeal. And live forever in the white hot heat of his jealous love that's hotter than a thousand suns but will never hurt you because you, by faith in Jesus, are in the love of God. God bless you. Dear Father God, I am so happy for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Father, I am so happy that my sins were placed in Jesus, that you and your son got it done. Lord, may the grace of God, may the peace of God, the forgiveness of God come for every sinner who came to church today who needs a Savior. May they, at this moment in their own life, say, Jesus, you are for me. You're my hero. You're my Lord. And Lord, take them with all their troubles, with all their mistakes and past sins, and make them right for you. But thank you, O Father God, that in the journey of growing up, they're accepted every day as if they had never sinned because they are in Jesus. Dear Father, we want to see you come. We want to see your Son. Live out your life within us. And may we crown Jesus with many crowns. In Jesus' name, amen. That will conclude Pastor Michael Oxentanko's message, The Last Days in the Final Word. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Both parts are available for you. You'll find it under the broadcast section of that website. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you'll join us again next time for another Reaching Your Heart. We would really love for you to be a part of our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.